Good afternoon. Welcome to Boca Lead. I know many of you are still getting your food. We ask you to continue to do that. We also have a group that are live streaming with us right now, and so we want to welcome you as well. Whether you're live streaming or in the room, whether you've already eaten your lunch or whether you're waiting to get your lunch, we want to welcome you all today. What month are we in, by the way? Does anybody know? Thanksgiving, almost. We're in November, hard to imagine. And one of the things, I want to welcome you all here today, because what we focus on here at Boca Lead, right? What's the three words behind me? Help me. I can't read it behind me. Inspire, mentor, and lead. Yes, thank you. And part of that is all part of leadership. And each of you are here because you're interested in growing in your leadership, whether you're watching us online or whether you're here in person. It's how do you become a better leader? And as you become a better leader, you're creating more influence within our community. We love our community, don't we? And I know this is part of the heartbeat of our community, and we thank you for being here. My name is John Barber, by the way. I'm a member of our church here, volunteer, and also active in the business community. I love the business community here in South Florida. And part of this, whether you're watching us online or walking through the doors, you're now part of our Boca Lead family. And what does that mean? It means we care for you. If there's an issue you're working with, working through, you need help, you need prayer, let us know. We're here to help you through it. Leadership. You know, I love this definition of leadership. There's a lot of simple ones. Leadership is what? Influence. John Maxwell says that. Gary Keller has a little longer definition. Leadership is teaching people how to think so that they can do what they need to do, when they need to do it, so they can have what they want when they want it. Leadership is teaching people how to think. And what I love about Pastor Bill, he always teaches us and challenges us to think. Because when we can think at a higher level, then we can behave at a higher level. When we raise the level of our integrity, we're raising the effectiveness in our business community and in the relationships we have. I was talking to someone earlier about trust. And the significance of trust in all relationships, it's foundational. And part of what you gain from being here and being part of our community is being building trust with one another. So I thank you for being here. Thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedule to be here. And before Pastor Bill comes, <clears throat> whether you're waiting in the line or at the table or online, I'm going to ask you to pause for a moment. And we're going to just have a, a time of prayer. Let's pray together. Our Father, we do thank you for this morning, afternoon. We thank you for this beautiful day and the opportunity to live in this great city of Boca Raton, South Florida, this great country. And Father, we pray that as we gather today, thank you for the food that we've had and will have as you nourished our bodies. Father, for the information we're going to learn today, I pray that we'll take it, that we'll learn from it, and we'll apply it to our lives. Father, we'll be more effective in our community, in our families, in our personal relationships to make a difference in the lives of others. We pray your blessing on our time. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Well, Pastor Bill, why don't you come on? There he is. Let's welcome Pastor Bill. Good afternoon and welcome. Sorry I was so far away. I'm used to kind of working through the tables, but there's so few tables 
And, but we're glad you're here. There's about 120 in the room today. We're glad you are here. And those online, there's several hundred of you in different settings at your home, at your office. There's even some in the back of restaurants and doing things. So we welcome you. We're glad you're a part. And if you want to uh, download the, uh, the little sheet we use, you can, or just listen today. But we're glad you're here. I'll be speaking to the people in the room, but we're glad you're a part of what we're doing here. So Who's here for the first time to Boca Lead? Raise your hand. <coughs> Let's welcome them. Wow. Nice to have you. <coughs> Way back there, great. I, you know, in a COVID time, to be the first time here is pretty exciting, and we are glad you are here. We're distancing. We're trying to figure out how we can get more people in this room. If it's your first time, we usually have 400-plus people in this room, and we're all the way up to here, but obviously we can't do that, but we're glad we are in person. So thank you, table hosts, who make this all possible and being a part of it. Well, today we're going to talk about our customers. Every week, every month, we talk about different things and different um, aspects of business, how to deal with your team, how to be personally uh, a person of integrity and all those things. Today we're going to talk about the people you work for, your customers, and what I um, titled this was leading people to a decision. Ultimately, all of us, whether we're for-profit, not-for-profit, uh, whether we're a sole proprietorship, an engineer, a consultant, or we are part of a big company, there are thing, people called customers. Now, you may not call them customers. I have colleges here. They call them students and parents. I have others that call them clients. I have others that call them uh, homeowners. I have others that call them whatever it may be. You need to use your own language in your own um, context, but there are people at the end of the line that you work with. There are people for the nonprofits, you've got two groups of people, people you, you garner money from and people that you give money and services to. So there's kind of two groups. So I'm going to use one group and just call them customers. And again, as I do that, we just kind of know whatever is in your context. And I've also subtitled this, Who's the Hero of Your Story? Who's the Hero of Your Story? And we're going to take your business and my business and put it in the form of a story today. And we're going to find out who the hero of the story is, what the problem of the story is, how can we succeed in this story. So we're going to have a little fun with this. And one of the guys who has written on this a lot is a guy named Donald Miller, who wrote a book called Story Brand. And he, he took all the concepts that we all hear about and put it in the form of a story. And it's a great little read. It's not hard. If you're interested, it's called Story Brand. And let's look at the graph that he put together in the story, and where I'm going to go through this quickly, and then we're going to look at all seven of them individually. Every story has a character in it, a lead character, a hero, the hero of the story. Every movie has this, every book has this, uh, every story that you know, every children's story that you know, there is a character, a hero. Now, here's the problem. Who's the hero in your story? Are you the hero, or is the customer the hero? And I would posit to you that the customer should be the hero and not you be the hero. When you're the hero, then it's all about you. It's all about what I've done. And i got to tell you, we've been working on this here at the church. We're 70 years old this year. 
We haven't been able to celebrate it because of COVID, but we're the, one of the oldest organizations in Boca Raton. We started in 1950, and I started thinking about, boy, we're a real hero in town. And then I realized we are not the hero. It's our people who are the hero, the people we serve who are the hero, the people we serve in the community, the people we serve at the school. You saw all the kids running around. They're our heroes. We're here to serve them and their parents. They are the characters in the story. Now, every story that's good has a problem. The character has a problem. And you and I have to figure out what is the problem that the people in our story have. I'm going to get into great detail on this in just a moment. But every character has a problem. And in every story, there is someone who is brought into the story to help them. Donald Miller calls them a guide. You might say a consultant, an engineer, a lawyer, whatever it may be, to guide them through their problem. And I would say that you, as the business person, as the educator, as the nonprofit leader, whatever you do, you are the guide to take the character through their problem and bring them to some place. So how do you do that? Number four, you develop a plan. You have a plan for them. The guide always gives a plan. When you read uh, even the superhero movies, it's all about a hero and then some guide comes along. Karate Kid had a guide. Everybody has a guide. You hire consultants to guide you through waters you're not used to, right? We all have a guide, but I would say that you should be the guide in your story, not the main character of the story. You guide them to a plan, and then here's the part, lead them to a decision. The plan calls them to action. So we go into action, and that action, whatever the call to action is, hopefully helps them to avoid failure, but it ends in success. Now, that doesn't always happen. You hope that it would happen. Many of you nonprofits work with a lot of people, and you hope that a failed system would change. The brokenness and pain of this culture would change for that homeless mother, and she would succeed with her child. You hope for that. Not always happens. But what's interesting here is that there's a lot of studies that people would rather avoid failure than to have success. Failure is the hardest thing. And we need to help people stop failing and to succeed. Now, can we walk through this, each one of these, and kind of get a sense of this? So let's start with the first one, a character. What does the character need? The character, what do they want? They want to thrive. That's the positive side to this. There's a thriving to this. And your job is to figure out how to help that person thrive. For our educators, get them an education that'll help it. For our nonprofits, to get somebody off their, you know, that's fail, fallen, and get them up on their feet. For an engineer, to get the building done right. For a real estate salesperson, to get you into the right home. You figure it out, okay? You want to thrive. But it's also, there are people... What do they need? They need to survive as well. And I think COVID uh, this year has taught us that many times we as business people are helping people survive. And not survive necessarily with food, although that is a big issue, but just how to survive through this environment that we are in. So you get who the character is. I want to spend more time. This character has a problem. The problem is threefold. 
And if you don't understand this, by the way, if you only take away one thing today, take this away. The problem people have is external, internal, and philosophical. What do I mean by that? I need an attorney. That's an external problem. What do I need? I need an attorney. Why? Because um, I'm starting a partnership. I'm buying a house. I need a will. These are all very positive things. I need to develop a trust for my children. Very positive things, external. Or a person's getting a divorce. The partnership is breaking up. You see this? This is all external. There's a reason why I need an attorney. Internal is, why do I need this attorney? I mean, ultimately, I don't want the divorce. Or maybe I do want it. But just because divorce is up here, unless you have the internal, you don't understand it. Do you, you see what I'm saying? You need to develop and understand the internal. And here's the thing, because the what, the why, always leads to the but. I just have to tell you, but I don't trust attorneys. Now, that's not a true statement because my son's an attorney. Some of my best friends are attorneys. I got attorneys sitting on the front row here right next to real estate agents who are people don't trust either. But I do. I trust lawyers. But, but some people don't. <laughs> some people don't. So if you have someone who philosophically doesn't trust you, you have to deal with that. If you have someone like me, when I walk into an attorney's office, I trust them. I have a, a core value of trust in an attorney because I know they're professional, they're whatever, whatever. I've picked them well, etc. And I have some external problems, I have some internal problems, but you need to know that. So you in the nonprofit world, the external thing is we got a lot of people who have needs. Internally, I just want to take care of my own family. I don't want to help everybody else. Why? The but is because I don't think you spend your money well. So where are you doing? You're trying to get people to help the poor, the indigent, whatever. And the reality is you've got to get them thinking generosity. You've got to th- get them thinking off themselves and start thinking of others first. Do you see that? We're up here trying to help the poor when this person doesn't care about the poor. This person only cares about himself, and they think you're going to steal the money and just use it for your own benefits. You see that? Engineers always overcharge. Well, that's a but. No, they don't. They charge for their services, and we need to understand this so much. Um, let's go to the next one because this is important. You have a problem. Your customer has a problem. They come to you. You are the guide. You are the coach. You are the reason that they come. However they got to you, the two things you have to show, and this is very important, empathy and authority. Empathy and authority. I go to Home Depot a lot. I get scared when I go to Home Depot. Does anybody else? Am I the only one? There's 90 aisles. Okay, so... And I don't know the lingo of a contractor. Elizabeth and I are renovating a a place right now. I don't know, is it a tube or is it a conduit? Is the thing you put the toilet roll on, is that hardware or in plumbing supplies? I have no idea. 
And so I walk in there and see 90 aisles. You know, you think they're just the first 30 there. There's another whole row of 30 more, and then there's a sidebar. One time, one lady said, you're on row 88. I go, where is row 88? And, but here's the thing. I walk in there. I find somebody in the orange outfit, right, the orange apron. This is what I want. I'm scared to death. I'm looking for something I can't even describe, right? External problem, internal angst. I don't have a clue what I'm doing. That's the philosophical part of it. I don't know anything. And, when, and this happened to me because I've been going to Home Depot almost every day for the last month. One lady came up to me and said, and as she saw the angst in me, she goes, the first time I walked in here, I felt just like you. That's all I needed. Okay, now I'm with somebody I want to be with, <laughs> right? I am with somebody. But she said this, we have everything you're going to need to do your home improvement. Authority, empathy, authority. What are you looking for? I don't even know how to describe it, ma'am, but it's this. She goes, row 88, right? Aisle 88. Now, I have gone to Lowe's. They're in the blue aprons, right? Okay, Lowe's takes it another step. Knowing that I don't know whether it should be in plumbing or hardware, they go, follow me. Follow me. And in Lowe's, I have been walked down. I get to hardware, and they go, you need to be in plumbing supplies. Come follow me. Because if I get to hardware and I need to be in plumbing supplies, i got to find someone else in a blue apron. And I don't want to do that. Do you see that? Empathy and authority. You doctors, and I know there are no doctors here probably because you're all working during the day, and we can, we can take a break and you can't. Doctors always said, it's not about the bedside manner. They want me because I can do the surgery. Doctors say that, right? You know, excuse my French, but that's an SOB comment. You know, I mean, that. excuse me. But that is the stupidest thing. <laughs> Cleveland Clinic almost went under because they had that attitude. Cleve the Cleveland Clinic. You got to read their book. The Cleveland Clinic was losing business to local hospitals on major surgeries. Toby Cosgrove, the, C the former CEO of, of, um, of Cleveland Clinic, wrote it. And he started doing He said, why are we losing business to the regional and the local hospitals when we are the best in the region? I mean, they're Mayo Clinic, MD Anderson, Cleveland Clinic. And he started doing these town hall meetings in, in settings of former patients. And why did you go there instead of us? And one lady said, because all you care about are my organs. And you don't care about me. And he changed the whole culture of Cleveland Clinic to realize you're helping the human condition. You're not just helping the stomach or the intestine or the, the cancer or whatever they're doing. And they change their whole sense because it is about empathy and authority. You need the authority. So I'm going to squeal on somebody in the room, two people in the room. So my good friend Atta here, who is, um, I will say this, and you may argue with me, will be the smartest guy in the room. Okay, he's a Ph.D. in astrophysics or what? I don't even know the language, astronomy. It's unbelievable. And he's going to be so mad at me that I've said this. He's got more PhDs after his name and all the rest. He invites Elizabeth and my daughter Anna and me over to see the telescope. And okay, now you need to understand that I barely made it through Biology 101. Our family are in the social sciences. We are writers, we are bloggers, we are pastors, 
we get words, but I do not get letters after all these things and what A times this equals that. I don't get any of that. None of us do. The Mitchells are on this side of the, the educational realm, and he's on that. So I'm intimidated. I'm intimidated to death. We get there. Now, the basic question for those of you who are not scientists like me, the basic question to an astronomer is, what's this whole thing about the dark side of the moon? You know, how can it be that everything's spinning and we never see the backside of the moon? And no one saw it until the Apollo whatever got up there and whoever it was saw it for the first time. I'm thinking, how does that work? And I'm asking a guy who could someday win the Nobel Prize for science the question. And he spoke to me and my daughter and my wife with such empathy, going, that is such a great question. As opposed to saying, you idiot, everybody knows the answer. And probably everybody in here knows the answer except me. I do know the answer now. He did it with such incredible empathy, but with the authority. and the, I mean, he's holding a tennis ball, you know, as the moon, and a basketball as the earth. And, I mean, that's something I would do as, you know, in a seventh grade biology, you know, or whatever class, earth science class. And he did it with such empathy. But I knew he had the authority that he knew the answer. Now, he could have given me all those 11-syllable words about why it happens, and I, it I would have gone, yeah, right, yeah, right, I get it. But he didn't. See, I have an external problem with the hard sciences. I don't get it. I get internally angst, and yet he brought empathy to me. Now let's bring it down to something simple. We're moving a mile from where we live, no big deal. We're buying some new furniture. We walk into furniture stores. External problem, we need furniture. Internal problem, I don't like furniture salespeople. <laughs> Philosophically, because they're a pain in the neck. Right? Is that, you, can you relate to this? Right, okay. But they always get assigned, oh, that's the next one. We're walking through, you're the next one. So up comes Carolyn to us. How can I help you? No, you can't help me. I'm walking around. I just want to see the inventory. Oh, go for it. She came back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. She realized I had a philosophical problem against um, salespeople in furniture stores. And she overcame that. Then she overcame the internal issues we had to get to the external issues where we needed some furniture. And that's how she makes money, is to sell the external. She ain't going to make it until she gets over the philosophical and the internal. And I got to tell you, Carolyn is sitting right here today because of the great job she did beating me at my own game of my philosophical problem with salespeople. And I was a salesperson for 25 years, so I get their game. And, and beat me at the internal so that we went back and we bought some stuff, then we went back and bought some more stuff, then went back and bought some more stuff, and then went back and bought more stuff. Why go over there when I trust this lady? Why go to that store when I trust this lady? She has great inventory. Do you see it? So we became from a customer to a client recommending others. Why? Because she overcame the philosophical internal to get to the sale. She got to the sale and all the rest, and all the furniture was delivered this week perfectly and fantastically, and it's just a good thing. And she made the money, and she deserved to make the money because she overcame it. Now, next, you got to give a plan. There has to be a plan. It's a pathway. 
Now, some are very easy. In, in college, they've got a curriculum. They have a syllabus. They have the, the schedule. You've got to take this class before this class. This. What is the plan or the pathway that you are going to work with people? And the reason you have a process is it avoids or alleviates confusion for people. What is the process here? Well, in order to hire us, you got to do this and this, and we take a deposit, and we do this, and our firm does that, or whatever. There's a process here, and then you come to an agreement, and then that alleviates fear. So you alleviate confusion because there's a process. You alleviate fear because there's a conclusion to that. You see, okay, now we have an agreement and all that, and so the pathway is important. Now, there's a problem with this, though. Sometimes the pathway you lead is not the pathway you give us as customers. And I'm talking to me as a customer. So I'll go with another group I have, a tr I have trouble with is cars, okay, car dealers. Now, I don't, I'm not a big car person. You women who go, oh, all guys love cars. I'm, I like cars. I enjoy sitting in a car. But somebody will drive up with their great brand new whatever. And I go, oh, that's nice. I'm just not into cars. So, um, except one car. <laughs> so, it's the Land Rover. Now, I love Land Rovers. And I thought, I'd never own a Land Rover. So, about 20 years ago, I thought, hmm. I wasn't a pastor yet. Pastors cannot drive Land Rovers. That does not go well. So, I'm in business. I go, honey, I'm just going to go look at the Land Rovers. And the, remember the old discovery, the tall thing with the rhino rack with the ladder up the back and the, the grills in the front? Okay, that's me. Okay, so I get in, and, but I have a philosophical problem about salespeople. I have kind of the internal problem as well. And then, of course, you got the price and all the other issues. So here's what the guy did. He saw that I loved it internally, but I had all these other issues. This is good. He handed me the keys to the Land Rover and said, take it home and show your kids. Seriously, I took the Land Rover. You know, you got to give them your driver's license and all. That took about a minute. And he gave me the keys. When I brought it back the next day, he had a sale. Because he, over, now not everybody can do that, but he had a pathway to it. Now, so, so now I love sales, car salespeople because, wow, okay. So now I'm out of the Land Rover thing because I became a pastor. I drive a normal car and all the rest. It's 20 years later. And so I'm at, I'm getting my wife's car back. And um, uh, we have a lease and it's time to renew the lease. And so the guy calls me up and says, it's time to renew your lease in six months. I'll give you a great deal because you're under your miles. I said, great. Give me, because again, I have a little philosophical problem, not as much. And he writes the deal out. I go, well, put it in writing, the pathway. Okay, what do we need to do? Put it in an agreement, put it on an email, send it to me. And he does. So, and we negotiate it. It's pretty simple stuff, like you always do. So I went and he says, come on in. The pathway was come in on Saturday and get your car. Sign the papers and you drive off. Okay, pretty good. I get there and the deal changed. The deal changed. The $4,000 upfront deal. I go, what's that? He goes, everyone knows there's a $4,000 upfront thing. I said, my pathway didn't have a $4,000 upfront. Okay. See, here's the thing. People don't know your industry. If your industry has uh, initials, 
your industry has uh, hidden fees, your industry has things like this. Oh, everybody pays that. Well, we're not everybody. You've got to give the pathway because distrust and mistrust comes up immediately. See what I'm saying? So it was pretty simple. All I said was, he, he goes, we won't honor that. I go, okay. Bring me your manager. He brought the manager. Won't honor it. I said, okay, no problem. Bring me your manager's manager. We won't honor it. I said, no problem. I said, all I want is an apology. I said, we all have rogue employees. They go, the employee made a mistake. I said, no problem. Just apologize. Give me an apology. And I'm fine. I have employees. They say things that they shouldn't say, and I apologize for them. I say things I shouldn't say, and I apologize. Apologize. They said, no, we can't apologize. So I'm driving home, and, um, y- you know, and I'm still listening to radio, which I don't do much anymore, but I'm listening to the radio, and one of their ads comes up about how their integrity and their this and their that. So I called the guy up. I just said, I just want to read, say the words that are in your ad. He said, you know, I said, all I want you to do is apologize. Just apologize. Just give me a one-liner. We're sorry we can't honor what we wrote to you. I said, I will go somewhere else. I have no problem. But you know what? They honored it. They honored it. Now, I'm on my fourth car there. Why? Because they honored it. They had a rogue employee who said something they shouldn't have said. They lost a few dollars on it like they really care. And they honored it, and we've been back ever since. You see, because they broke the rules, so to speak. You need to be a person of integrity. And when it doesn't happen, apologize. Just come on. Sometimes we make mistakes. Apologize or make it right. And if it's so bad you can't make it right, just tell them you're sorry. And, you know, then we don't have to call the attorney, right? You don't need an attorney. Apologize. And that's so important because, let's go to the next one. We call them to action. Now, there's two kinds of action here. There's the direct action by, you know, buy my services, buy my car, buy my furniture, hire me to consult for you, let me sell your house. Whatever it is, that's direct. That's a direct call to action. There's a pathway you've given them. And then the other is this. There's the transitional. I'm not ready to sign up. And you need to be ready to be ready for that. And that is transitional. You need to have some small yeses for people. I don't want to give to your organization. I got a lot of nonprofits. I don't want to give to your, hey, would you volunteer for three hours and just see what we're about? That's an easy ask. Yeah, for three hours, I can give you three hours, no money, and what does Habitat for Humanity, and what does four kids do? And I'm sure, Tim, your organization does it. You go, come volunteer, come to my event, or come do something. Don't have to give any money. Just come and see what we're about. See, that's transitional so that then, direct, and I just got to say, four kids is right up here. They're the greatest foster system in the country here. It's just unbelievable. I didn't realize 15 years ago the foster care problem we have in South Florida. It was like my eyes were blinded. Somebody says, will you support four kids? I go, no, I don't even know what four kids, no, I'm not going to. Would you come to lunch? Yes. I come to lunch, I hear this incredible storyline of how we're sending kids from South Florida to the panhandle because there's not foster families here in South Florida. And also I said, not in my backyard. Not in my backyard. Are we going to send kids 350 miles away because we don't have foster families? And I said, what can I do to help? And for the last 12 years, 
Elizabeth and I, have, and I got on their board. I did everything I could and still do everything till the point we gave them room here at church where they moved into Boca. I said, I'll give you free rent so that you can help the kids of Boca Raton and Del Rey. They outgrew it, so they've moved to Del Rey to bigger space. But for 12 years, they were here. Why? Because at first, I, I, did say, I said no to the direct. They hooked me in with the reality of the issue and then I was like a raving fan. And that is so important. So don't think that if someone, I look at you, and I, 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 could, almost, I could do this almost with everyone that I know, most of the tables here. I could go, what you have done for me personally, this church, our family, some of my friends, it's just amazing. One, I look at what you guys do. I go, my lands, it's unbelievable what you guys do and how you've created a, a Boca Raton in a South Florida that's better than it, it's been. And I look at what these realtors, you know, and I look at what all of you do, and it's, but a lot of times people are going to say no to you. I don't want your service. I don't want your uh, product. I don't need what you're doing. I, hey, you're, you're okay, but it's not for me. And so what, when you don't give money to something, here's a simple thing. There's an external, internal, and philosophical, you know, I don't, and, and it bases down to greed. You know, you just, I want to keep what I have. And I think there's an innate uh, desire in everybody that's hidden of generosity. And it's our job to help people be generous. You know, you just think, how can I help them? Well, you can't help them. If they say no, get them to do something with a little yes. I mean, that's just basic sales. If they won't say the yes to the big thing, get them to say yes to the no. This is, will you marry me? This is, will you date me? See the difference? Will you date me? Yes. Will you marry me? No. But eventually, there might be something that develops out of it, right? And then, the last, that ends in success and helps you or them avoid failure. Ultimately, you got to call people to action. It's amazing. You've got to call people to whatever you do because you're going to help them with their problem. You're going to guide them through it. You're going to give them a plan of action. You're going to call them to act on that plan of action. And then whatever their problem was, you're going to help them to succeed out of it and not fail in it. You see it? That's the story of what you do. And it works in everything. I got radio people here I'm looking at you know, on your radio. You could work this on your radio station. I have people who are engineers, architects, salespeople, product-oriented people, um, engineering-oriented people, sole proprietors here. It works. And it is an amazing thing when you let someone else be the hero of your story. Lastly, and then I'll close, there cannot be two heroes in a story. See, we want to be the hero of the story. So let me just tell you, the one thing you don't want to do is always tell people of your accomplishments. Now, if you have to tell a few, we've done this, we did that, we've helped those, we're a part of this, yes. But you, what you really need to do is find out their story. They're the hero of the story, and you are the guide. Janet, go back to the graph. Because the guide is the fulcrum between the problem and the solution. See, if you want to be the hero, go be the hero and tell everybody how good you are. But if you want to get to the sale or to the end product or to improve something, you are the fulcrum between the problem that the character has, the path, and the solution that will allow it to succeed. 
Now, there's a last little sheet there on the sheet. It says character transformation. This is the application for you. What do you need to do and move from what to what? Maybe I need to be more in tune with what people are doing internally. Why are they wanting it? Maybe it's something else. Maybe you're too much about your story and not about their story. Maybe you're whatever it is. Just figure it out and just write it down. This is for your own use. How do I want to be transformed? You know, it's amazing. I'm in the church business. Church business is about transformation. That's what we do. We want to tra- you want people to be transformed, right? We talk about this. Today we're talking about this, but there's still transformation. People need to change. You and I need to change. You are not the same person. From what to what do you want to be? What, and I tell you what, at the end, we're moving into 2021, thank God. We are moving into 2021. But I hope you are moving forward and not staying stagnant. Let's just stay for another six months. This will all be over and I can restart my business. No, you need to do what you need to do now. Maybe differently, maybe with new, um, using an old term, old one, new wineskins, new something. You've got to figure it out and work on it. But I would ask you, use the grid I just gave you. You have it there. That's why I put it up there for you to have. And you will succeed at what you endeavor to do. Thank you, and have a great day. Thank you, Pastor Bill. What great content, and we want this to be able to help you. So whether you are here in the room or you are on our live stream, we have some questions we'd like for you to think about and talk about around your table. We still have a few minutes left. If you're on the live stream, you can either think about it with yourself or maybe the people that you're watching with. So you can see the questions up there. What we want you to do, introduce yourselves. If you don't know the people at the table, find out the jobs represented, the professions represented, and pick one. And over the next five minutes, go through and decide who is the character, what is the problem and fill in the grid and with a real life example found at your table actually put some of this into practice and maybe you could even brainstorm some really good ideas around the table that one of you can take and actually improve in your job and your profession and find out what your takeaway is and how you're going to implement it this week so take five or seven minutes and then i'll come back up here and close at the end have a great time at discussion and if you're on our live stream it's been great having you on and we'll see you next time